Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Welcome to Grumpy Young Men on the Believe Network. I am Jason Waller here with my co-host, Alex Meschi. Join us as we take a real look at reality. Welcome back to Grumpy Young Men on the Believe Network. You know what that is, bro? Pack of fatty. Hammer time. All right, Jay. Fun shower fact this week. Uh, Let's hear it, bro. I'm ready for I need something uplifting. I don't know if this is uplifting, but All maybe right. the reason people themselves when scared is to remove dead weight so they can run faster. <laughs> that's good. That's that's probably one of the best ones we've had. It, it makes perfect sense to me. I get it. I, I fully can comprehend that. Yeah. So uh, let's talk about what happened this week. We got a couple fun things to uh, go over. Um, yeah. Maybe- for our listeners, we're going to be switching it up a little bit. We're actually going to kind of have a more of a structured format so we can uh, flow. And I think it's going to be good because I think trending now is a new thing that we hear out there often. So we're like, hey, well, let's take what's trending Let's talk about it and break it down. Yeah, and even more so, we're not going to take what everybody else thinks is interesting. We're going to pick what's interesting to us. Correct. So, uh, so yeah, a fun, fun little story came out of St. Louis, Missouri this weekend. Uh, there was a protest in a gated community, which led to this viral video of a guy in a pink polo shirt with his chest hair exposed, holding an AR-15 with no shoes on, and uh, his lovely wife is, you know, beside him, hand on a hip with the other hand on a pistol, not knowing how to wield the thing. And uh, the funny thing coming out of the uh, the pro 2A community, the only criticism they had was that guy really must not like his wife, considering the fact that he's waving the thing, you know, yelling at protesters and his wife is in front of the barrel half the time. Oh, shut up. So bad terms of gun safety, but... I mean, it was definitely uh, an exhibition of the Second Amendment. and Well, it was one hell of a sight to be seen. It looked like a guy in front of a Beverly Hills mansion it looked like Scarface almost with his wife out there and they're barefoot. It was it was uh, it was pretty priceless, dude. Not going to lie. Yeah, the image was definitely polarizing. But, you know, let's talk about what's going on. So for those that are aware, Missouri is a castle doctrine state. Uh, it's not a stand your ground state like it is in California. So what, in does sense. That, what does that mean? So stand your ground, uh, especially what we have in California, is that somebody has to be on your property actively engaging in your uh, harm or the lack of your safety, right? So basically, if you're being attacked in your house, you have the ability to defend yourself, right? Versus in Castle Doctrine, if someone is on your property or trespassing without your authorization, you have the ability to use uh, deadly force to remove them. Now, a lot of people see Texas as the pro gun state and it is because they are. However, a lot of people fail to realize that there are other states in regards to the castle doctrine that make it so that you don't have to wait for that person to be doing anything by them. Literally trespassing is already breaking the law and therefore it's seen as a translation as, uh, Intent to harm. Yeah, Yeah. exactly. So, you know, you had the effect of a group of people pushed into a private gated community. So they're not on a public road. Uh, They were stepping foot on the couple's property. So that's now. Why were all those people trespassing in that community anyways? So the reason they were there is because the mayor lived in that community. So they wanted to essentially protest for a recall. A real safe gated community. (laughs) 
<laughs> yeah, right. Um, so yeah, you know, we got a viral video out of it. It kind of stemmed the whole pro 2A or against 2A conversation a bit more. Uh, it spurred gun and ammo sales after people saw the effect of, hey, these people actually defended their property. Um, and as you mentioned, the house is, you know, looks like a beautiful community. And um, yeah, I mean, all in all, I, I would say that for the most part, it ended pretty peacefully. Nobody was shot. Nobody was hurt. No property was damaged. Yeah, yeah the people- you see freaking Humpty Dumpty out there with an AK-47, bro. You ain't going near that guy's house. Yeah. You, you see anybody outside with an assault rifle, I mean, as much as you want to loot or rob or do whatever, it'll keep honest people honest. Yeah. You know, so yeah, that was a very interesting thing. And like I said, just a guy in a pink polo shirt with a, a gun like that. I was like, all right, what's this? So um, on that, though, you know, the, the real interesting thing is that you had people on both sides now siding with I need a gun. And my dad was one of them. He was asking, he goes, Hey, how do I get something a little more modern? Cause he's tired of having a, you know, wild West revolver. <laughs> Your dad's and- probably got a cannon stuffer, bro. He's, got the- <laughs> <laughs> he's just shy of black powder musket. Um, right. But it's funny. Cause he was always the type. He's like, you know, we live in a safe community and mission Viejo is one of the top 10 safest cities in the United States. And then now after being inundated with all the news and what's been on the news, he's like, I need a gun. It's like, well, you have a gun. No, I need a gun. It's like, all right, well, let's talk about the process, right? You got to go to a gun store, this, that. With COVID, some of them are appointment only now. But with the events, with the protests and people pretty much kind of fearing a lack of public safety, guns are sold out, back ordered, like cannot be found. Good luck. You're If you miss the train, like you're, you're going to have to go foraging. And it's funny because some of the conversations within families that had a split with gun control, you have the people that never took the opportunity to equip themselves now asking the other side, Hey, can I borrow stuff? Which for those that don't know is a crime. You're not supposed to lend your firearm that's registered to you to anybody else. That's not you or within your immediate family, except in Texas, except in Texas. You like that? Boom. So yeah. And for those listening, mind you, we do speak from a more California perspective, but you know, we like to be all inclusive of the whole country. So we will have people chime in from time to time from all corners of the country. Yeah, no. So gun sales, uh, all time high ammo sales, all time high. Um, what is the, so you got both sides now talking about the gun control, right? Where, I mean, it was not uh, long ago that we were talking about, uh, removing guns, right? I mean, it was almost before this, uh, dismantle the police or defund the police. I mean, it was almost like the other topic around stuff like that was around the guns. Yeah. I think the whole two way and gun control was a big uh, conversation leading pre COVID right after the wildfires you were talking about, you know, having all these mass shootings and school shootings and concert festival shootings and all this stuff. And people were looking for a solution to try and mitigate that. But my personal opinion is at the end of the day, these people that are committing these atrocities are criminals. And to say that criminals follow the law, well, that's illogically true, right? So to say that gun control is going to reduce the guns getting into criminal hands, I just, I really don't see it because these guys already have these guns with scratched off serial numbers that may be coming up, you know, from over a border or from off a boat or whatever. The Nowadays, fa- you can just make these things yourself. There is that too with 3D printing. So, you know, I don't know if it's necessarily the right way to just open it up and let everybody get a gun or close it down and allow nobody to get a gun. There's, you know, I want to talk to you about that because I know you're, you know, both of us are are pro the second amendment and we both believe that, you know, we should right to bear arms and 
but what is your thought process around that, you know, for the people that are anti-guns? I just wanted to kind of bring that as a conversation. And Producer Ryan, I'd love your perspective on that as well. But just having a conversation around that, right, is a lot of people uh, don't want – I mean, it's it's just completely dismantled, get rid of, or, you know, have them. Like, is there a middle ground with this conversation? It's hard to determine a middle ground, I feel like, because a big component as to who and who shouldn't have a gun usually revolves around mental health and the actual well-being of the state of mind of the person buying a gun, right? So if you've never bought a gun before, um, the process is typically that you go into a gun store, you find what you're looking for, you talk to somebody, get a recommendation, and then you begin the process of actually registering and applying for registration of the firearm. In California, that starts with a firearm safety test and a firearm safety certificate that needs to be renewed every five years. Uh, to be perfectly truthful, it's like 12 questions that are more or less common sense. Uh, but it's nice because I've actually seen people just completely bomb the test next to me. And I'm like, I sure hope you don't sell that guy a gun because they don't even know how to take care of it. Right. right. Um, so after you get that, you actually go through the application, you wait your waiting period. And as long as the DOJ is okay with you having the firearm, you go back and pick it up. Right. In other States, a lot of times, especially in Arizona, you go in and you essentially pay cash and you can walk out the same day with a gun. Now where things get a little bit interesting is the fact that States that have cash and carry laws in terms of gun purchasing typically have less shootings and gun related homicides than States that have these waiting periods. Okay. Did you know that, Ryan? No, I didn't know that. So yeah, there, there's a correlation between that. So it's obviously showing that background checks are not stopping the wrong people from getting guns. So how do we do that? Do you right? know that? Do you know the numbers around that? That's such an interesting fact. I don't know the exact figures, but I mean, we can go based on recent current events and the number of gun-related shootings in Chicago. Illinois is a pretty gun-strict state. Mm. Chicago is a very gun-strict city. They've had what over 150 shootings in the last two weeks. Yeah. So isn't it, isn't it the most dangerous city in the in the US right now te- by gun violence and all that? It flips back and forth between there and Flint, Michigan. Uh, I was actually educated by someone who uh, came from Michigan, lived there for many years that Flint and Chicago basically passed the baton back and forth. Flint holding a six-time annual record. So there was one point where Flint, Michigan literally for 6 years was the most dangerous place in regards to gun-related homicide and crime and or violence, right? So even Michigan in regards to being a gun state is pretty strict in comparison to some of the states that we view as more gun friendly, like Texas and Arizona, Idaho, Wyoming, and things like that. So when we don't see the correlation in the gun control and these waiting periods and these background checks working in terms of mitigating actual gun violence, then it leads me to believe that the program's not really working. It's broken, right? Then became or became the question of how do we men, uh, check mental health to make sure that people don't just have a bad day at work and next thing you know go postal right? Well, my question, not only that, but let's just look at it from this perspective too: is how many of these people in the shootings and different things that are going on? How many of them are legal gun owners? Uh, I think it's a, a pretty big mix of both that are and aren't. Mm-hmm. Uh, I would say a majority are non uh, legal gun owners or they shouldn't be owning a gun, especially when we're talking about gun, uh, gang violence, right? Gang related violence. Uh, but the thing is, is that a lot of these weapons and stuff, they're recycled. It, it, there's no way to know who actually owns the gun. Right. So right. it's like, you know, you're talking in the streets of like LA or Chicago and there's a drive by shooting or something and someone gets taken out. Well, 
chances are the cops don't even find the weapon because somebody just already picked it up because they're going to go use it to hose somebody else. Yeah. So going back to like the gun shows and being able to 3D print stuff, the accessibility is there. The challenge is that law abiding citizens like yourself and, and me have more challenges and obstacles and hoops to jump over to get a gun that let's be honest criminals if they want it they'll get it they'll break the law to get well it's funny you say that because i actually uh tried going to get a gun it was what five years ago you were when i was going through that process and i hadn't i didn't have access to a gun i actually was not able to have a a gun because i had uh for my previous record of stuff and i went and applied and after nine and a half years you know i was like all right let's go get a gun and stuff i got multiple years of sobriety just to have it to protect be be safe at the house and did everything that you talked about and went to go pick it up boom denied because it wasn't a 10-year period and honestly i could i totally could see just from you know i I think god didn't give me a gun 10 years or eight years prior to that i would not you know what i mean so i think some of those laws and some of that effect i think is good because in that state of mind i mean looking at where i was in the depths of my addiction and in the depths of of all that stuff i think that that was it was a good precaution but it's also i'm just a one a one person show that we're talking about that where that's been beneficial because the larger larger picture of it looking at individuals and cities uh that are experiencing the most violence and it's it's again it's not nearly it's not usually by law-abiding citizens yeah and i like to think that texas has an interesting policy in regards to guns being that they're more um free and allowing you to carry and conceal and this and that Uh, the quote is you keep honest people honest right and there's a lot of times we hear stories where somebody goes into a store or school or whatever, and they start shooting people and chances are they've had either a criminal background. They stole the gun from somebody, uh, mental health know. issues. Exactly. You know, there's all these kinds of problems, right? But in Texas, they actually have lower gun crime per capita than a majority of other States, despite having looser gun restrictions. But how much do you think of that as like environment though? And like them growing up with that. And like, I mean, cause I feel like let's just say we were California were to go to that type of mentality and, and, and lifestyle, uh, do you really think that it would, it would, it would, it would result in the same format that Texas has? I think it could lead to that. However, it wouldn't be instant, like a night and day thing because there always has to be some sort of, uh, test, right? And by test, I'm not saying, you know, someone pushing the boundaries or whatever, but more so seeing the consequences of what happens. Right. So let me paint you a scenario, right? Let's say you're in Texas and you're a criminal and make it so that you want to uh, go rob a liquor store. Okay. You have a gun. Now, are you going to rob a liquor store knowing that there's 10 people that are customers in that liquor store that may or may not have a gun? Or would you rather rob a liquor store with 10 customers that you know is illegal for them to carry a gun? Okay, fair enough. So if you have people in an armed population, now mind you, you got to control who's armed once again because of mental health and this and that. So by implementing what we have currently, however, allowing people to carry and conceal without uh, basically criminalizing them, because in California, we are technically an open carry state. Now, how ridiculous that is, is that I can have my pistol on one hip. I can have the magazine for that pistol on the other side of my hip. Both need to be exposed and my need to, uh, the gun needs to be non-loaded. Okay. 
versus a knife. You can have a folding pocket knife of up to three inches. You pull it out, you stick somebody, it's already done, right? So how am I supposed to defend myself by open carrying a pistol when I have to take the gun from one side, the magazine from other, put them together, rack the gun. By then it's already too late and whatever was going to happen's already happened, right? Right. Versus concealed carry states. You have it concealed, you pull it out, you do whatever you need to do and, and that's it. You can get a concealed permit in California, right? You can, but good luck. It's just, it, the, there's no real freedom in it it's more like a pay to pay to play kind of club right right so it's a very lengthy process you got to have recommendations and referrals and provide an actual like scenario study of why you need it so just because you transport largest amount of money is not a good enough answer anymore it has to have some sort of real tangible reason now that also depends every time a new sheriff is voted in so there's no real clear-cut procedure and or criteria it's basically you file an application based on who the sheriff is in your county town city or state or whatever uh, local uh, jurisdiction and hopefully your case is good enough and or your campaign contributions or family connections (laughs) or whatever are good enough to make them sign the piece of paper right now texas did something interesting during the initial onset of the protests and uh you know, when people were starting to fear public safety in that they put a temporary stay of not needing a concealed weapons permit in the entire state. So whether you had a permit or not, you were now given state protection to conceal carry with no repercussion. Now I could never see that happening in California. I won't ever. And I mean, based on the time, the needs, the timing, what's going on society, to me, I thought that was a cool move. It still gives people the opportunity. If you don't feel comfortable carrying a firearm outside of your house, don't. There's nothing wrong with that. But for law-abiding citizens with a good head on their shoulders that feel comfortable doing that, I also don't see the harm in that either because while I don't typically carry outside of my house, I'm going to hope that there's somebody that's a decent shot that's going to be able to protect me just based out of being a good Samaritan, right? Hopefully there's some of those still around. I think a majority of them have been sued for trying to give CPR or help people and, you know, things don't go right. But I feel like we need to reestablish the trust and faith within your own community. Right. And I mean, based on watching the news, based on talking to people, you know, times are pretty gloomy. And going back to what we talk about with human connection being the number one source of happiness, we need to bring the community back together. So good stuff. I mean, good insight, good feedback. Uh, I can totally see both sides of, of what you're saying. Uh, and that's, a, again, why we do this is just to kind of have conversation around uncomfortable conversations, right? So uh, what would be your takeaway from that then? I think my takeaway is that within the last few months, we've definitely seen the need of why we have the Second Amendment. Um, but we also see the challenges of the Second Amendment. And, you know, it comes down to who has the authority to say who can and can't have a gun. So let me ask you this then is, is do you believe that there should be background checks for everybody to purchase guns? Absolutely. I don't see why not. And I feel like there should be some sort of regimented mental health screening as a part of it. So whether it's, you know, when you initially buy the gun and turn it on like a driver's license, you don't need to do it every year. Yeah. Every two years I think is safe. I mean, if you're a police officer or military, then maybe every year, you know, something like that. But like every two years, every five years, something like that, where it's just, it's a touch up. It's like the driver's license test. And being in California, I feel like we have the credibility to say that we have terrible drivers, that we 
allowed to go 40 years without ever having to take a driving test. Yep. So, you know, we can go two or five years without a mental health test when we haven't had one to begin with. Correct. I think that's really good. I think that's something to leave you guys with is to think about that. Uh, I actually would agree with that. I definitely think mental health components, especially in the state of mind that our country is in today, that everybody should uh, have a mental health check. Um, and, you know, just looking at the access to this stuff. I mean, I think there is a, a middle grounds to this. And I think that's a great uh, place to start is what you just stated. Yeah, totally. So let me flip something on you. Um, Shakespeare quote, Juliet said to Romeo, what's in a name? You know, I don't read. <laughs> but let me ask you that. I mean, what's in a name? What does a name mean to you? <sighs> Character. Um morals values okay so then would you say that you agree or disagree with renaming buildings monuments or places in history based on those individuals character values and morals no i think i think renaming stuff again is that there's things that you're looking at that need to be renamed or or are up for renaming within the last 10, 20, 30 years. Yeah. I mean, that's maybe something to look at. Um, some, you know, depends on what, what it may be, but I mean, things that have created uh, history and they're history for a reason and to give us education on the t times that we were in. I don't think so. I mean, again, the, the, the history does not dictate who we are today, right? It's showing us of how we've evolved. So uh, that's my personal per perception of it. And I definitely think, again, there's, uh, is over time, there's been so many individuals that have, have gone through this world that are good, bad, and the ugly. And I think it's important to reflect on, on all of those to see how we've overcome or how we've benefited from. Yeah. I feel like a lot of people see these, uh, monuments or statues or what I call marks of history, right. To be, uh, not necessarily a representation of the history that happened or the event that happened or the reason why it's a remembrance. However, I, I feel like they translated into whatever the personal intent or belief of the individual was. Right. And the reason why I say that is I had a couple of interesting conversations over this weekend. Uh, one of which being my dad and for people that don't know my dad and for even people that do know my dad, one interesting fact about him is that he's really big into history. And the reason why he is big into history is because it gives us an idea of where we came from so that we can learn from our mistakes to not repeat them again. That's his whole mentality around it. So whether it's a statue of somebody that you absolutely despise, let's talk about, you know, Joseph Stalin, uh, communism, father of it killed a bunch of people in Russia, starved his own people for whatever the, the cause was. Um, but to tear down a statue or a plaque or some sort of uh, remembrance of him, I feel like is doing a disservice because now we're taking out the uh, the atrocities that he committed from the front of our mind. Every time I see a Stalin statue, I see a terrible guy with principles to never follow, right? And that's the way I see it. By removing those, it's almost like sweeping it under the rug, I feel like. Literally was just going to say that. And when you sweep it under the rug, people forget. We start changing history. We start changing definitions. Well, now we're going to repeat the mistakes that we've just forgotten. 
That's the way I personally see it. Now, I'm not saying the way I see it's right or wrong. I understand why some people take offense to things. But going back to the overall uh, education system, let's call it that in the United States, when I'm watching people tear down statues that actually go with their message or cause for the sake of just tearing down statues to try and like make prove a, a message yeah. or prove a point or they have a chip on their shoulder, it blows my mind. Yeah. And, you know, uh, I, I feel like there's some discussions right now in society that I don't really have a say one way or the other, whether it's race or religion or what have you. But I also have an appreciation and respect for all sides of history because it's where we came from. It's, you know, you want to talk about slavery in America, right? It's a terrible thing. Never should have happened, but it did. So I think it's best for us to remember it, reflect on it. So that we never let it happen again. Correct. So when we're talking about renaming airports and buildings and this and that, it's almost like we're starting this new witch hunt where everybody is now looking into the history of anything, looking for some sort of point to essentially tear down the whole institution. And, you know, we were talking about statues and we've been seeing statues being toppled and this and that. And now people are looking at, uh, educational institutions, namely Stanford and Yale. The founders of both of those institutions were found to have some racial ties and this and that. And while I can understand the animosity towards those founders, I mean, to say that those schools are the embodiment of the principles of those founders would be a farce, right? Yeah. They're not there. They're not in the policy. They're not the teachers. They're not the ones interacting with anyone. They're not even here anymore. Yeah. So it's more a memoriam of the person that established it, but to essentially brand a place because of the name and say that they lack the progressiveness or lack the, uh, the ability to change with the times. Right. I don't think that's accurate. Well, I think you bring up something that's really just interesting overall though, is around the divide. I feel like over the last four years specifically and even going into eight years i feel like there's just been this constant divide and it's funny how you look as opposed to us going forward and, or even staying stagnant we i feel like in a lot of areas we've gone backwards and we're like you said we're looking for things to nitpick and cherry pick of what was wrong how can we you know how can we go back 10 20 50 100 100 plus years ago to try to change or or re-message what that is as opposed to everybody coming together i mean we've seen that this year i think one of the biggest things that i have a problem with i mean for the political standpoint is just to look at is so much work could have been done as if people would be able to get together and try to come up with a common solution as opposed to for four years uh in this last in this last term of watching people just be so divided and it's it's it was a constant battle of us putting our tax pay uh, our tax dollars to work for people to fight against each other as opposed to helping it be a better place for us and that's something that I think with all this, it's just, it's just like we keep going backwards. We keep going backwards as opposed to having everybody come together and work together in, in, in harmony to try to make this a better place. Does that make sense? That makes perfect sense. And let me you follow that, producer Ryan. You feel me? I do. I'm, I'm with you 100% on that. Let me put a stamp on top of your thought here. So in the last, I would say, 10 to 15 years, what we've been doing as a society in terms of splitting further and further apart has been done through labels. Now, the way I see everybody, if you're an American, that's your label. You're an American. You're on my team. I got your back. Hopefully you got mine, right? That's not the general 
thought process in America anymore. Now it's, are you black? Are you white? Are you Christian, Jewish, Muslim, gay, straight, lesbian, trans? Well, those are two different things. We're putting so many labels, liberal, on conservative, s- libertarian. Oh, just Yeah. We're putting so many labels on everything that pretty soon it's going to be like a Myers-Briggs thing to even decide if you want to be friends with somebody or interact. You're just going to walk around with a shirt with 46 different letters that denote <laughs> like what you like to eat on Tuesday, yeah. what language you speak in, what languages you know how to read what colors you like like it's getting so granular and i feel like people are unable to essentially have a civil discussion with one another where you put away all that stuff like the way i talk about religion politics and the sense of stuff is i don't especially when i first meet somebody there's a lot of people that come out as soon as you sit down at a dinner table for the first time they come swinging with that stuff and whether i agree with you or not it still puts a bad taste in my mouth it's like come on there, the world is so infinitely bigger than the problems that we're dealing with in our country. There's so many positive things that we can talk about and people decide to just stew and fester in the negative. Well, it's like people just want to bring up a form of a splinter, you know, and you, you, again, as you can't even have it's, you have to be so cautious with what you say now is because people are so sensitive to everything. Uh, and again, I'm not talking about just being blatantly disrespectful. I'm just talking about having a common conversation. So we were at the park yesterday. There's, we were just having an open dialogue around something that was just non-controversial, but it was just, it's so funny how every, like a couple people around us just had to throw their opinion in and give their perspective. I'm like, dude, I wasn't even talking to you. Like, who are you? You know what I mean? It's just like, I just feel like anybody wants to get in at, at any given time as opposed to, you know, just respect how for, for what people's beliefs and what their morals and what their values are again. And, and you don't have to always give your opinion. Totally. And I mean, if here's the thing, if you do, that's fine, but recognize it's your opinion. Now, don't try to persuade somebody to believe your thought process. Exactly. So like for me personally, and I'll only speak about how I engage with people. If somebody wants to bring me a counter argument to a point that I'm making and provide me with facts and stuff, I'll take the time and due diligence to look into what they're saying. And there's always been times when I've changed my mind. Right? Don't get me wrong though. Healthy dialogue is imperative, but just to come like, again, is, is it's having conversation around it, hearing out one person and hearing out the other person. Like I can tell you there's there's been multiple times where I've had conversations, whether it's on an airplane when you're sitting next to somebody for multiple hours or uh, you're at a dinner and you're sitting down and you're getting to know somebody that's next to you and you're sitting with them for a couple hours, to have the open dialogue around perspectives that may come up in a conversation and, and to be mindful and open to what their thoughts are and having a dialogue. There's many times where I've left the conversation where I'm like, well, I saw that differently and vice versa for the other people where it's, again, as we there's also two sides to every story, right? And it's getting more, it's more understanding. I think we all want to have such instant gratification today, whereas a lot of people, we don't want to take, I'll speak for myself, is is something I focused more on is doing the research and getting more educated as opposed to just being opinionated and, and understanding stuff because there's there is so much knowledge out there now. Yeah. There, I mean, information is literally at your fingertips. It's just a matter of being able to sift through the inundation of content, right? And I have to commend you on the fact that you probably do more than what 20% of the population does, you know, 20% of the population just clicks the, the article headline the reads that and the article might not even have anything to do with it, you know, and the fact that you can have a civil discussion and walk away to an effect where sometimes your perspective may change. When I do that, I feel like I'm actually growing and it's very relieving, like as crazy as it sounds and you're probably going to disagree with me, but it's more enjoyable, uh, more enjoyable for me to be wrong on an intellectual subject because then I get to learn something. 
I t- but yeah, but and that's the thing though is is humility allows the opportunity for growth, and I think by having those conversations though, and it's a it's going into that not having an expectation, it's going into it and just being open minded, and I think that's kind of like the takeaway for today is I'm going to repeat this almost every single time we do this show, and the reason why we're doing it is to create conversation, open dialogue, have the conversation, uh, is is to get more educated, talk to people, and and you know grow commonly together and and have those dialogues so i like it so if we're gonna give someone a clear-cut action for the week would you say it's go have a conversation yeah go into a conversation open and willing and ask questions i think a lot of the times people don't go in asking questions they go in there as a matter of fact uh and that would be my thing is go ask questions and get educated on something there you have it so another week on grumpy young men on the believe network Go out, have a conversation, and try and learn something. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.